Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Sleep Tight Relax is supported by the generosity of our premium subscribers. If you would like to get some of the perks, like shoutouts, stickers, and other surprises in the mail, go to sleeptightrelax.com premium, or follow the link in our show notes. Thank you. Our sleep story is Chapter 9 of The Boxcar Children. In this chapter, Henry has decided to try and run in the free-for-all race. The prize for winning is $25 and a silver trophy. The man asks Henry how long he has been training for, and Henry says he didn't train at all. The man mentions that some of the people running in the race have been training all year. And Henry says he doesn't plan to win, he just thinks it is fun to run. Henry is going to be running a one-mile race. He thinks about it and decides he doesn't have to start off too fast, just run steady and then speed up after the halfway point. Henry does just this, and the crowd is so excited to see him catching up to the top runners. Can he win the race and the prize money? But before we continue with our story, let's start by breathing together. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. We are going to do a series of deep, slow breaths. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. We often talk about taking belly breaths or filling your belly up like a balloon. If that helps you visualize the kind of breath to take, then please try. You can use whatever works for you. Now, inhale slowly through your nose and count to four in your head, filling your lungs with more air with each number. Hold your breath and count to four in your head. Slowly exhale through your mouth focusing on getting all the air out of your lungs. 
Take your time and focus on slow, controlled, deep breaths. Breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four. Breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four. Perfect. You can continue to practice your deep breathing as we continue with Boxcar Children, Chapter 9. The man tossed Henry a pair of white shoes and some blue shorts. He liked the look of Henry's face as he paused to ask in an undertone, Where did you train? Never trained, replied Henry. I suppose you know these fellows have been training all year, observed the man. Uh, You don't expect to win. Oh no, replied Henry, apparently shocked at the idea. But it's lots of fun to run, you know. He was dressed and ready by this time. How light he felt. He felt as if he could almost fly. Soon the contestants were all led out to the running track. Henry was number four. Now Henry had never been trained to run, but the boy possessed an unusual quantity of common sense. It's a mile run, he thought to himself, and it's the second half mile that counts. So it happened that this was the main thought in his mind when the starter's gong sounded and the racers shot away down the track. In almost no time, Henry was far behind the first half of the runners. But strangely enough, he did not seem to mind this greatly. It's fun to run anyhow, he thought. It was fun, certainly. He felt as if his limbs were strung together on springs. He ran easily, without effort, each step bounding into the next like an elastic. After a few minutes of this, Henry had a new thought. Now you've tried how easy you can run. Let's see how fast you can run. And then, not only Henry himself, but the enormous crowd as well, began to see how fast he could run. Slowly, he gained on the fellow ahead of him and passed him. With the next fellow as a goal, he gradually crept alongside and passed him with a spurt. The crowd shouted itself hoarse. The field all along the course was covered with people. Henry could hear them cheering for number four as he pounded by. 
six runners remained ahead of him. Here was the kind of race the crowd loved. Not an easily won affair between two runners, but a gradual victory between the best runner and overpowering odds. Henry could see the finish flag now in the distance. He began to spurt. He passed numbers 14 and 3. He passed 25, 6, and 1 almost in a bunch. Number 16 remained ahead. Then Henry began to think of winning how much the $25 prize would mean to Jess and the rest. Number 16 must be passed. I'm going to win this race, he said quietly in his own mind. I'll bet you I am. The thought gave him speed. Number four, number four, yelled the crowd. Henry did not know that the fellow ahead had been ahead all the way. And just because he, Henry, had slowly gained over them all, the crowd loved him best. Henry waited until he could have touched him. He was within three yards of the wire. He bent double and put all his energy into the last elastic bound. He passed number 16 and shot under the wire. Then the crowd went wild. It scrambled over and under the fence, cheering and blowing its horns. Henry felt himself lifted on many shoulders and carried panting up to the reviewing stand. He bowed, laughing at the sea of faces, and took the silver cup with its little wings in a sort of dream. It is a wonder he did not lose the envelope containing the prize, for he hardly realized when he took it what it was. Then someone said, "'What's your name, boy?' That called him to earth. He had to think quickly under cover of getting his breath. Henry James, he replied. This was perfectly true as far as it went. In a moment, the enormous signboard flashed out the name Henry James, number four, age 13, winner of Free for All. Meanwhile, the man of the dressing room was busy locating Mr. Cordes of the Cordes Mills. He knew that was exactly the kind of story that old James Henry would like. Yes, sir, he said, smiling. I said to him, you don't expect to win, of course. And he says to me, oh, no, but it's lots of fun to run, you know. Thank you, sir, returned Mr. Cordes. That's a good story. Bring the youngster over here if you don't mind. 
when Henry appeared, a trifle shaken out of his daze and anxious only to get away. Mr. Cordes stretched out his hand. I like your spirit, my boy, he said. I like your running, too. But it's your sprint that I like best. Don't ever lose it. Thank you, said Henry, shaking hands. And there was only one in the whole crowd that knew who was shaking hands with whom. Least of all, James Henry and Henry James. With $25 in his hand, Henry felt like a millionaire as he edged through the crowd to the gate. That's the boy, he heard many people say when he was forced to hold his silver cup in view out of harm's way. When Dr. McAllister drove into his yard, he found a boy washing the concrete drives as calmly as if nothing had happened. He chuckled quietly, for he had stopped at the fairgrounds for a few minutes himself and held a little conversation with the scorekeeper. When Henry faithfully repeated the list of winners, however, he said nothing about it. What are you going to do with the prize? asked Dr. McAllister. Put it in the savings bank, I guess, replied Henry. Do you have an account? asked his friend. No, but Jess says it's high time we started one. Good for Jess, said the doctor absently. I remember an old uncle of mine who put $200 in the savings bank and forgot all about it. He left it there until he died, and then it came to me. It amounted to $1,600. Phew, said Henry. He left it alone for over 40 years, you see, explained Dr. McAllister. When Henry arrived at his little home in the woods with $25, for he never thought of putting it in the bank before Jess saw it, he found a delicious lunch waiting for him. Jess had boiled the little vegetables in clear water, and the moment they were done, she had drained off the water in a remarkable drainer and heaped them on the biggest dish with melted butter on top. His family almost forgot to eat while Henry recounted the details of the exciting race. And when he showed them the silver cup and the money, they actually did stop eating, hungry as they were. I said my name was Henry James, repeated Henry. That's all right. So it is, affirmed Jess. It's clever, too. You can use that name for your bank book. So I can, said Henry, delighted. I'll put it in the bank this very afternoon. And by the way, I brought something for dinner tonight. Jess looked in the bag. There were a dozen smooth brown potatoes. I know how to cook those, said Jess, nodding her head wisely. You just wait. Can't wait hardly, Henry called back as he went to work. 
When he had gone, Benny frolicked around noisily with the dog. Benny, Jess exclaimed suddenly as she hung her dish towels up to dry, it's high time you learned to read. No school now, said Benny hopefully. No, but I can teach you if I only had a book. Let's make one, suggested Violet, shaking her hair back. We have saved all the wrapping paper off the bundles, you know. Jess was staring off into space as she always did when she had a bright idea. Violet, she cried at last. Remember those chips? We could whittle out letters like type, make each letter backwards, you know. And stamp them on paper, finished Violet. There would be only 26 in all. It wouldn't be that hard, said Jess. We wouldn't bother with capitals. What could we use for ink, Violet wondered, wrinkling her forehead. Blackberry juice, cried Jess. The two girls clapped their hands. Won't Henry be surprised when he finds that Benny can read? Now, from this conversation, Benny gathered that this type business would take his sisters quite a while to prepare. So he was not much worried about his part of the work. In fact, he sorted out chips very cheerfully and watched his teachers with interest as they dug carefully around the letters with the two knives. We'll teach him two words to begin with, said Jess. Then we won't have to make the whole alphabet at once. Let's begin to teach him C. That's easy, agreed Violet. And then we won't have to make but two letters, S and E. And the other word will be me, cried Jess. So only three pieces of type in all, Violet. Jess cut the wiggly S because she had the better knife, while Violet struggled with the E. Then Jess cut a wonderful M while Violet sewed the book down the back and gathered a couple of blackberries. As she sat by crushing the juice from the berries with a stick, Jess planned the ink pad. We'll have to use a small piece of the washcloth, I'm afraid, she said at last. But finally, they were obliged to cut off only the uneven bits of cloth, which hung around the edges. These they used for stuffing for the pad and covered them with a pocket, which Violet carefully ripped from her apron. When this was sewed firmly into place and put into a small saucer, Jess poured on the purple juice. Even Benny came up on his hands and knees to watch her stamp the first S. It came out beautifully on the first page of the book, purple and clean cut. The E was almost as good, and as for the M... Jess's hand shook with pure pride as she stamped it evenly on the page. At last, the two words were completed. In fact, 
They were done long before Benny had the slightest idea his sisters were ready for him. He came willingly enough for his first lesson, but he could not tell the two words apart. Don't you see, Benny? Jess explained patiently. This one with the wiggly S says C, but Benny did not see. I'll tell you, Jess, said Violet at last. Let's print each word again on a separate card. That's the way they do it at school. And then let him point to see. The girls did this using squares of stiff brown paper. Then they called Benny very carefully. Jess explained again which word said see, hissing like a huge snake to show him how the S sounded. Then she mixed the cards and said encouragingly, Now, Benny, point to see. Benny did not move. He sat with his finger on his lip. But the children were nearly petrified with astonishment to see Watch turn his head to one side and then put his paw on the center of the word. Now this was only an accident. Watch did not really know one of the words from the other, but Benny thought he did. And was he going to let a dog get ahead of him? Not Benny. In less time than it takes to tell it, Benny had learned both words perfectly. Good old Watch, said Jess. It isn't really hard at all, said Benny. Is it Watch? And that's the end of the chapter. Sleep tight. Thank you.